Welcome, travelers. We're aware that your journey was difficult, but prepare to have your questions answered, for you have been granted an audience with the Masters of Modern. And welcome back to Masters of Modern. I am your host, Alex Kessler, here with my co-host, Ben Bateman. What's up, guys? How's it going? Welcome to episode... Hundred something uh, in the thirteen one thirteen. This is one thirteen. Yeah, cool. So it'll be re- one thirteen released on Friday. Isn't that isn't isn't that the Pixar like the thing they sneak into everything? What thirteen one thirteen one thirteen. I don't know why. I don't know. It's like a it's an Easter egg or an Easter egg, Ben. Huh. Hey guys, <laughs> we're <laughs> an Easter weird. egg. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the Masters of Modern. Speaking Podcast. of Easter, it's Christmas. Yeah. This is uh this comes out Friday, so East Christmas is in two days. Uh, Hanukkah also starts in two days, so as a person who will celebrate every holiday that doesn't make it so I can't eat, uh, I'm excited. All, yeah. all the holidays. I have some sweet presents to give to my family. I yeah. got my niece a Chewbacca backpack. Oh, sweet. Uh, it's really cool. Does it's it like, like, is there like a, a button that you could press that makes it go... No. Uh, I wish it was. Uh, I wish it was uh, smaller because she's three and it's. I think a little big for her, but she'll grow into it. But can she fit inside of it? Can her parents like put her in the Chewbacca no, bag and then wear it on their back? No, but it's furry and it has like the bullet belt thing. Mm-hmm. It's it's cool. Um. Anyway, yeah, I'm excited. I'm going home to Seattle to go see the family cool. and uh, and all that. So we. Uh, but we decided we were going to try to knock out a, uh, an episode here for the holidays. Yeah. Uh, so in spirit of Christmas. Yep. And the red and green. We already did red. Uh, a long time ago with Jimmy it was, that was the first of these, so we're doing green. We're doing top ten green cards. Top ten green cards. Modern. So get your Christmas trees out. Get your other green things that are holiday based. I'm not. I don't know. I got nothing. Yeah, you know, this is a surprisingly difficult one. I, if you were to just say on the spot, you were like, uh, yes or no, is green a top two color in modern? I'd be like, no. I'd be like, because all it would come to mind for me. Because you're wrong. Green well, is the best color in modern. I know, but like traditionally, like I would think. And after, after trying to do this list, I'm confirmed in that it's the best color in modern. Yeah, no, I think it really is. I, it's There's like one card that's obvious that immediately comes to mind. And then aside from that, I'm like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's a good card. Oh, yeah, that's really good. Oh, yeah, that's good. And then like making my list was outrageous. I got 40 cards before I was like, all right, I got to start whittling this down to 10. There are cards that are, I cut that would have beat half of the cards on the top 10 blue list, I feel like. Yeah, yeah. We did, we, we did top 10 blue. Yeah. yeah. The only one we haven't done after this is top 10 black. Yeah, and Seven, in blue, the, the sweetest for last. The, the blue was like basically just like Snapcaster Serum Visions was the top two. Is that right? We I would have to go look it up. And Remand probably that was like probably the top. Yeah, three. there's some counter spells. There's probably Cryptic Command. Yeah, which is also a counter spell, but it also reads do whatever you want. Yeah, Cryptic Command, sweet. So yeah, that's what we're talking about today. Today we're not like there's less news. Uh, one thing it, we have some shout outs, and I do want to bring out a big shout out. Uh, I guessed it on the Comics on Comics podcast oh, cool. uh, on Tuesday, and that episode comes out on Christmas Day, and um, we get to talk about Rogue One, which I think we'll talk a little bit at the end of the episode, maybe. Mayhaps, which is, please. If, if Kessler had his druthers, would be the only thing we would talk about all week. I like the. <laughs> I am motivated to maybe start a Star Wars podcast. Yeah. I have to figure out what the format would be and why it would be. Unique, Not the same as every, every other, other <laughs> Star Wars podcast, uh, but it's 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 very likely to happen in the near future. But uh, beyond that, this is really fun. If you want to hear what kind of that would maybe sound like, if you want to hear 
Uh, my thoughts on Rogue One and Star Wars in general. If you liked our Star Wars football game, we didn't play that because I don't think I have the knowledge of football to be able to do it. But <laughs> it's if you enjoyed that, it's more of the same awesome, good Star Wars content. You can find it on Facebook.com slash Comics on Comics. Uh, you should also follow us on Facebook. We're Facebook.com slash The MMCast. Follow us on Twitter at The MMCast. I am at Kess Wiley. I'm at Ben Bateman Media. There's been a lot of uh, a lot of conversation on our Twitter this last week. There's been It's been very active, I've noticed. Yeah, we've. I mean, you. I retweeted a, a water. So me and we can talk about that at the end in the second <laughs> half. Remind me to talk about water and it, its apparent color. Okay. Towards the end. Sounds good. Sneak preview. It's blue. Yeah. <laughs> All um, right. <laughs> so top ten green cards. Uh, once you're back to what we we're kind of saying, I do think it's the best color. Like it. Ha- Im- Looking at decks that do well in modern, I think green is the best color. Like Green's it consistently really overperforms in so many different tiles of decks. Quick thought, just uh, that I wanted to point out uh, two things. A, you can find us on Collected.Company. We have a oh, sister correct. podcast, The Command Zone. They do commander content. Jimmy and Josh, they do awesome stuff. They're doing YouTube stuff now as well. So Collected.Company and also that is not Collected.Company.com. That is actually Collected.Company. That's where you find us. Uh, that's where you can find us. You yep. can find them. And they have a YouTube page. Uh, also the command zone and they do cool content Kessler just in a video and we and we have a yeah yeah I'm, I'm gonna be in the the next video which I think comes out hopefully by the end of the month but most likely it comes out in January yes and we are also on YouTube if you uh, just look just look up the MM cast on YouTube you'll find it I think it's top decking TV slash top decking TV um, correct just we were talking about blue there for a second and you mentioned crypto man basically reading do whatever you want uh, there was a, a foil of a commander card that was uh, right. Was it just announced, or has it been around? Yeah, uh, it's it's blue, blue three mystic something. Uh, mystic confluence. Confluence. Um, this is not a card that I knew about because it's a commander card. Sure. And reading it, it's outrageous. It's so good. Now, granted, I don't think if it was modern legal, it would be played because it costs five. It's maybe. Maybe. As a one of, I think like it, it's not cryptic command levels of powerful. It doesn't see any play in legacy, but that's because it costs five. Like it's costing five so is a is a pretty big drawback. It's choose three, and you can say, you can choose the same mode three times. Three so you can times. draw three cards, counter a spe- it's like mana bounce, leak. bounce a creature. Bounce. It's, it's unsummon, draw a card, and I think it's either a mana leak or a misdirection. Or not misdirection, miscalculation. Mis- yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's it's one or the other, but you get to choose three. So it's basically like definitely counter your spell draw three cards, bounce three creatures, or you can do like one of each. It's like really, really, really sick. Um, I'm thinking about it obviously for Highlander because that's, you know, the foil printing is what makes it good there. But just a, a good example of a card when you mention how good Crypto Command is and the fact that that's always a fringe playable card in Modern. Even at that power level, I still don't know if we would see that in Modern um, just because it's a five drop, you know? Right. So yeah. anyway, uh, right, just, yeah. just a thought. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna move on to the episode. Sure. All right. Top ten. That was kind of that was kind of news. There's some news there. What the foil? And that whole section that we just everything the foil we talked about. Yeah. Yeah. And also Imperial Seal, right? That was the other one that got the foil printing. Yeah, but that we we knew about that. I think. Yeah. For yeah, yeah. Yeah. But um, I guess last piece of news. Uh, we probably will be taking next week off. Uh, it is the Christmas New Year's break. Uh, but then the first episode of the New Year, we will have a spoiler card. Comes out, I think, Tuesday at 8.30 Oh, my God. It's so sweet. Yep. That's all we can say. So cool. Otherwise, the lawyer ninjas of Wizards of the Coast will come hunt us down. All right. Now, top 10 green cards. As you guys know, the way this works is we each do uh, our top 10 separately, and then we kind of battle them out, and then... Uh, we will then do a honorables mention contest where we each read off five cards we saw, wish saw more play in modern uh, in this color. And uh, we'll then battle those up on the internet. Ben has yet to win. 
uh, that contest. He owes me, I think, a total of four dinners. This is kind of like one of those things where you're like, you know, am I going to show up in the best shape of my life, like just like zoning in to be as aerodynamic as possible, shave my head to win the race? Or am I going to show up, you know, uh, at the time I want, eating the breakfast that I want, have a good time and try to win this race? But if I don't, it's okay because I had a good time. That's how I feel about this. You know, I choose cards that have personality, they have flavor. Why play if you're not playing to win? You know, I I, I, I wear the <laughs> hairstyle that I want for the race. I, I, I wear, you know, a tie-dye tracksuit because it's cool looking. And I don't even take it off when I run. I just run in the tracksuit. That's how I feel about my picks. All right. Send low <laughs> expectations for everyone. All right. Number 10. You want, why don't you go first? What's your number 10? <laughs> Top 10 green cards. Uh, number 10. I'm going to go with uh, the only card on this. No, that's not true. A recent unbanning. And that is Golgari Grave Troll. Yeah. Semi-recent. I guess the year yeah, probably. Yeah. I have mine a little bit higher. Uh, um, Golgari Grave Troll. I mean, this is... We've talked about this card a lot recently because Dredge is such a prominent deck right now, but this is not the only reason that the Dredge deck became a thing. It, it was the later printings that pushed it, but this is one of the linchpin cards, and it has been in Legacy Dredge for a long time. It's an important card. It doesn't really see any play in any other strategy. I think I think people will build with this card in various like Dredge-ish builds and have over the years because people have tried to make that work for a long time. It's only recently that became a real top-tier strategy in Modern. Right. It, it, it's really Prize of Malgram, uh, Craze Neonite, and Cathartic Reunion that pushed this over the top over yeah. the last year. And it's obviously a really good draw. It was banned in Modern's Inception, uh, dominates in every format it's ever been. Dredge is a really powerful mechanic. Uh, this just, just edged out um, Life from the Loam as kind of another card that can probably be in this spot. Yeah. Uh, and both of them are just kind of very grindy. I do think Life of the Moam may have a little bit more uh, versatility. Like, it could be used in more strategies, but Golgar Grave Troll is just such extreme power. And it, like, and we're not even talking about its, like, extra ability of just playing it for five and having, like, an 8-8 eight, eight for five mana that's just impossible to kill. Uh, just it, I'm going to do this because... You're listening on audio, possibly. You don't know. Grave Troll is a zero zero for a green and four. Skeleton Troll, Golgari Trave Girl, trumps into play with a plus one, plus one counter on it for each creature card in your graveyard. One colorless removal, one, one counter from it, regenerate it. And the most important wording on here is Dredge Six. So it's a, it's a Dredge Six that, when it does come into play, is big. Um, how often would you say in strategies that play this card, do you actually cast a Grave Troll? Uh, probably five. To 10% of the time? Yes, low percentage. Low percentage, but it does happen, and when it does happen, it's good. I do remember Dredge decks in Legacy uh, towards the end of when I was playing Legacy where they cut all of the good reanimator targets because just reanimating Grave Troll was fine. Right. Uh, like, you just, it was big enough normally on turn two to do the job that you need to get done, and he's big and beefy and kind of can get that job done. He comes in as like a 9-9 or a 12-12 or something like that. Yeah, 9-9 or a 12-12. Like anything close to 10-10 on turn two is normally enough to win. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> All right, what do you got number 10? Uh, my number 10 is Become Immense. It's a little, uh, little higher for me. Uh, I put it so low partly because I think it works with other cards to kind of accomplish what it does. I do still think that this is a high list likelihood to be banned. Yep. Um, otherwise, I maybe wouldn't have included it on the list. It is one uh, green, five colorless, instant speed, target creature gets plus six, plus six, delve, delve. Delve, so, yeah, delve doesn't have a number. Yeah, it's just yeah. delves. Um, which means you can exile cards from your graveyard to cast it for cheaper. Uh, it's really good. It sees playing Death Shadow Zoo's Death, Sa Ugh, Death Shadow Zoo and Infect. Uh, both of them tier two to one point, you know, one decks. In fact, possibly one of the best decks in the format. 
obviously super strong. And this is kind of the card that lets them go over the top and, and accomplish that turn two, turn three win consistently. Yeah, this um, card, if this card left the format, it wouldn't kill Infect. It would make Infect weaker. It would make Infect what Infect used to be, which was good, but didn't have the sort of like all-in combo, like one card can just win the game. I mean, it had that, but this just really makes it, this cements that strategy. Right. Uh, I do think Death Shadow Zoo would probably die. I think it stays good because you can still team. But it, it keeps all the other. It loses the plus six, but it loses all. It keeps all of the pay life for a thirteen thirteen on turn two. Definitely. I mean, you, you still have Death Shadow and you still have Teamer Battle Rage, but I I just think that this because because. But you play you can play Crozen Verge and just be just as fine. I feel like. Crozen Verge is the land. I don't know what's Crozen. What's the plus four plus Mightable four? Crosa? Yeah, yeah, Mightable Crosa. Uh, good, not as good, not as. Good. Of course, it's not as good. Yeah, I'm not making an argument that it's as good, but plus four plus four in Death Shadow Zoo is probably f- fine compared to plus six plus six. But here's the thing: in Infect, your creatures, your creature, your one one is a two two for one, and every single spell you have is doubled. So like like Mightable Crosa, for instance, is plus eight plus eight mm-hmm. on a normal creature. For that to happen in Death Shadow Zoo, you have to have your aggressive creatures, but you have to have a team or battle rage and a pump spell to get the double effect, which means you, you need more moving parts to get as much mileage, which is why I think it's good, but not as good. And I do think that it would It definitely would hurt the deck. I, I, I also die. don't know how much I... Like, it's a really cool deck, and I'm glad it exists, but I'm not, like... In, I don't need it there in my a, life. There would just be a different version of Zoo. Yeah, yeah. So, um, all right. Your, my number nine is... Just mentioned it, Wild Nacatl, another card that was formerly banned. Another no. card. Yeah, go. You got this higher. No, no, no. Continue. Um, yeah, Wild Nacatl. I mean, this is the the primary, the primary aggressive green creature forever, and has always been. Um, it is one green for a one one that states if you control a mountain, it gets plus one plus one, and if you control planes, it gets plus one plus one. So with the correct shock fetch mana base, this is a three three for one. Um, it still dies to lightning bolt. It's really good. It's so much less good than it seemed like it was supposed to be. Which is why it's not on my list at all. Yeah. Uh, it, it was probably... It, it and uh, Life of the Loam, Life of the Loam were both Loam. like in 11th place at the same time and both got cut in just a like... What it's done hasn't been that impressive and when it's done impressive things, the things that it did could have been done by other cards. My, my thing is this, and this is the reason that it makes my list. If you're going to build an aggressive deck that has green as a base color, you're going to play Nacatl. Death Shadow Zoo plays Nacatl. Um, yeah, but that's, I mean, like... And if you, and yeah. if you like, there isn't something easier where you're like, well, I don't have Nacatl, I'll just play this. You can play something that's similar and good, but you can't play something that pound for pound is a 3-3 three, three for 1, basically with total, total consistency. And that's why this card is good. So... It's not a groundbreaker. It's not like some something sure. that's gonna. But I think it's. Oh, I don't. I don't think you're wrong for putting it on your list. I, I and I think it's obviously a really powerful card. I just don't. I think it's. Once again, there are cards on this list that I wish were here. You know that aren't, and it's one of those cards that just kind of missed my list. Yeah, it's it's also evergreen power in terms of the sense that the format will always change and move, and it will always come back to a place where this card is playable. Always. It started out that way, then it got banned, then it comes back. I think it'll always be a good card at, at one time or another. Maybe. Yeah. What if, you know, four fours for one, power creep happens and it just, or every color gets their uh, Delver of Secrets and just. Well, and then if they print something better, then you'll just play that thing. But until you have something <laughs> better, you'll always play this. Because couldn't there be a Wild Nacatl, but that also just had a Swamp Clause for an additional plus one, plus one? Like Sedge Sliver? Is that what the, yeah, like you get a Sedge Sliver ability attached to it. 
Like so. it's Wild Nakato plus that. Probably. I mean, they'll yeah. probably do something like that. Keep going. Yeah. All right. Uh, my number nine is deck format defining Scape Shift. Scape Shift. Uh, who the, those who don't know, it's a green and two colorless sorcery. Uh, when you cast it, uh, when it resolves, you may sack uh, X amount of lands and then search your deck for those that amount of lands and put them into the battlefield. Um, tapped, I believe. And the reason it's good is it gets sees, it sees a lot of play with uh, Valakut. And if you have seven lands in play and you cast this, you win. Yes. If so you have enough mountains and a Valakut in your deck. For the record, uh, Scape Shift is number five on my list. Wow, that's much higher. And Become Immense is number seven on my list. Okay. So that's what you shouldn't have. You should have waited and told us when it happened. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're just going to talk. I'll, I'll, we'll talk about the more. All of the mystery is dead, Ben. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So uh, the card's really good. Yeah. Um. It. It. One of the you know main kind of the slower combo decks of the format. Titan Shift is kind of the big one now. Um. Yeah. No. I'm, I'm a big fan. Yeah, um, I think I, I think there's interesting things you could do with the card that we don't get to see. I guess along the lines of like landfall abilities yeah. or more of a land tutor effect. It's such a powerful card that there's definitely space to explore with Scape Shift. Mm -hmm. One of the nicest things about Scape Shift is that the sacrificing land ability is not part of the cost. It's part of the resolution. It's probably the most yes. powerful thing about the spell, actually. Well, it would be awful otherwise. I mean, it, it wouldn't be unplayable because it would still be a one-card combo to win the game. So you would just have to protect it a little more carefully. It would be much, much more. It, yeah. would, it, it would be worse than Become Immense not being in Death Shadow Zoo and Death Shadow Zoo. No, 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 definitely. But it wouldn't be unplayable. It would be still sure. a one-card combo. It would, still, it would be a weak one-card combo, right. but one you could still win with. So you would just play more Disruption or something like that. But the bottom line is this is a very powerful card, but does do other cool things. Yeah. I, I agree with you. Like Landfall is something that's kind of unexplored with this. And it's... You see people do hybrid versions of scapeshift decks sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, that because you can you can you can stick a bunch of mountains, this card, and Valakuts into any deck. I mean, really any deck. You right. just have to be able to hit your land drops. So you know, it plays well with Primeval Titan and other cards like that. Yeah, cool. Uh, what's your number? Or that was number nine. Number eight. My number eight is Scavenging Ooze. Oh wow! Yeah. You have this higher? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I consider putting Scavenging Ooze higher. Um, scavenging Ooze is that card. I've said this before, but it's always that card that when you draw it in Modern, it's like, oh, man, I wish I had more of these. It's always like, oh, it's yeah. really good. <laughs> it it yeah. just always feels like... It always feels like... As it's good, good early, it's good late. Yeah, it's good early, it's good late, and it's just... It's extremely interactive. So much of the format is graveyard dependent. So much of it. Right. Whether you're counting number of cards in your graveyard to fuel delve, whether it's dredge, whether it's flashback spells for Snapcaster Mage, like there are so many things that utilize the graveyard. Um, that just having the ability for one green to eat things and make your creature better and to do it at instant speed is really, really good, considering it's a bear to begin with. Mm -hmm. And the fact that it has the life gain ability, um, this card just does so much. I mean, so much. Like, I can. Th this is one that I, I struggled to figure out where to place it. Um, I just, maybe, maybe it's this is kind of the like Michael Jordan won MVP over and over again, and eventually they gave it to Carl Malone kind of thing. I feel like. Tarmogoyf is or sorry not Tarmogoyf. I feel like Scavenging Ooze is just that card that's been good and like a great card in modern for so long that people like don't want to give it the credit it deserves or something at this point. I, I feel like it's not it doesn't it, seem it like is, it's it is kind of the the it has middle child syndrome between like Tarmogoyf and Dark Confidant in Jundex, where it's like 
Both of those are overtly the best two drops in those colors ever printed. And Scavenging Goose is just like, I do a lot of work here, guys. I do a lot of work, and graveyards are yeah, important. Really, a lot of work. I so. just like, especially now with Dredge and other graveyard strategies being relevant, I think it's like obviously a really important card. Uh, my number eight we talked about and is the, the uh, doesn't like your card, Golgari Grave Troll. Yep. He's a, a, not a fan of Scavenging Ooze. Oh, they, yeah. We didn't read what Scavenging Ooze does, actually. Oh, yeah. We should read that. One green, one colorless for a 2-2 two, two creature type ooze. Um, for one green, remove target card from a player's graveyard. If it's a creature, gain a plus one, plus one counter and a life. Yeah. Otherwise, you just exile a card. Yeah. So it's like it can just exile card. It's like Snapcaster Mage hates it. it. It is kind of also, ironically, other than Bob, I guess, the answer to the other two drops in that slot. Because it, it fights Tarmogoyf. It's like a great anti-Tarmogoyf, and it's a great anti-Snapcaster Mage. Yeah, 100%. And it's also like, you mentioned Power Creep, and it's not like Withered Wretch was a card that saw a lot of play. But this is a great example of when you're like, we'll just take this thing that's really like good and utilitarian, and we'll just make it 10 times better. Sure. Yeah. And, and Withered Wretch saw a lot of play. Like yeah. It Jeff definitely saw play. Um, and would probably see play if someone was making a zombie deck work. Yeah. Because the devotion on it is... Great. Good. Yeah. Uh, all right. Number seven. Eight for you, right? Oh, eight was Golgari Grave Troll. Oh, you just did. Okay. Yeah, so, yeah. So number seven for me is Become Immense, which we talked about. Probably the highest highest likely card to be banned on most people's radars. Um, very good. It's, it is funny that that it took the other Delve spells being banned for this card to break through. It took Treasure Cruise and Dig Through Time for this to become a card that was Correct. heavily played. Part of that, I think, was because Treasure Cruise and Dig Through Time made Snapcaster Bolt deck so powerful, and that that's like the antithesis of... Good players. <laughs> well, in fact. Yes, like, yes. In fact, is bad when Snapcaster Mage is good. Right. Because, yeah. Because it's a blocker and also has, like, you get to, like, cast a you spell You have double removal have spells. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, Lightning Bolt is technically the enemy, but Snapcaster Mage gives you two Lightning Bolts. And, and a blocker. Like... In fact, has a total of twelve creatures in their deck, so yeah. you just need to hit like four of them, and they like are gonna have a really bad day. Yeah, if you guys are interested to hear what cards we think might be okay to come off of the banned list, as opposed to which cards we think should be banned, which is another episode we'll do soon, um, you can check out last week's episode with Corey Burkhart, who is having an absolute just tear right now in Magic. I think he's t- like it, it, we talk about his his achievements in the last 18 months but it's absolutely ridiculous so and many top eights yeah he's just i mean he's just crushing it right now he makes our collective day two performances look scrub-esque yes i think a lot of pros in fact all <laughs> pros do that <laughs> but uh anyway yes we we have that conversation so check out last week's episode that should be up on youtube right now what do you got for your number six your number seven ancient stirrings okay ancient stirrings i think it's the best cantrip in the format this is one of the reasons I think... So we can share this because that's my number six. Oh, cool. So that's okay. next on the list for me. Sweet. All right. So Ancient Stirrings is number seven for me and six for Ben. And it's it's really good. It, it For those who don't know, it's one green. Uh, look at the top five cards of your library and put a colorless card into your hand. The thing that it doesn't... You know, you don't immediately realize is it allows you to get lands because lands are technically colorless. Uh, even though that's like one of the early things that new players have a lot of trouble kind of figuring out. Right. Um... I mean, yeah, this card is just so, so, so good in terms of um, if you're looking at the cantrips in, in various colors, the things that, okay, like Serum Visions, or like how, how do you check out the top of your library? How do you get what you're looking for? This digs five deep. So that's, uh, mm-hmm. this is this is index, but way better. This is like what you want to be doing. If, if this is like all the reasons. Well, that is it, new- impulse, impulse is look at the top four. No, no, index. Index is one blue sorcery. What's look put, at the top four? Put one into your hand, and the rest of the bottom. That's impulse, and that costs a blue and a colorless. And yeah, it's yeah. Speed. But this this is one less for a restriction. But the restriction in some decks is non-existent. Exactly, and it's sorcery instead of instant. But like, so 
like a lot of newer players will look at cards that like dig deep but don't put a card in your hand and think they're good. So index is the classic like one blue, five cards. I get to like dig so deep, but you don't get anything out of it. So with a restriction, this is the same card, but you get the card out of it. Um, this card was like very undervalued early on. Forever. Yeah, and it really started to break through. Tron decks originally popularized it, and then it started in, in Amulet Bloom. It became a big player, and then it's, Eldrazi decks, it became a player. Yeah, it, it, where it's really important are decks that play lands that are important. In in decks that are looking to kind of do powerful things with their mana base, and this is you know this is dependent lantern on control, lantern too. control, like you know, or artifact colorless spells, which is lantern control and artifacts. This has so much power because it can get so deep into your deck, and all these decks kind of need that piece. In Tron, you need your other Tron piece. In lantern control, you need one of the many little pieces of your your machine that you're building. When they, yeah, I mean, I mean, El, the Eldrazi and the reprinting of Eldrazi when they started to make all the cheaper ones, that's what like really made this from. Because obviously this lost a little bit of its importance with Amulet Bloom leaving the format. That was that was a major, major, major player that this card was so important in. But then on the heels of that, and around the same time as that was when we we watched uh, Amulet, not Amulet Bloom, um, Lantern Control popping up, which was really powerful, and this is an important card. And then the Eldrazi all got printed, and it was like, so you're telling me this can get me my powerful lands, and this can also get me my creatures. Like, that's insane. This is so good in that deck. Yeah. So yeah, I think that card's amazing. Um I also just like love this card. I love this card because it is the restrictions a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun to search for powerful lands and artifacts, and you can build a lot of cool decks with this card. Mm-hmm. Doesn't ever feel like you're you're losing out when you draw in your opening hand. Does it feel a little out of color? Yeah, but it's because it's searching for something colorless. I mean, that's should it should feel it, it's it's halfway it's a gre- it's a green card that can be cast to look for the the sixth color. Sure, and I guess if it was a, this would be way too strong in blue. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I mean, if this this it, wouldn't be as good if it cost uh, void, right? What if, if it cost um, wastes? I mean, if this no. But I, 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 my point is, I think this is a blue effect, and then a black a effect card? to to look at the top five colors cards of your library and put one of them into your hands, with, no matter the restriction. What like okay, for instance, what if this had been printed in oath and it had cost wastes? Same card, but it cost wastes instead of green. Would it would it still be good? Would people still play it? Maybe good, right? Tron would still play it for sure. For sure, I think you would just it would just. I, seems, I think some decks like there would be more color like colorless decks that would play it. It would just mean pain lands were pushed even further. I mean, what if they printed this that dug six instead of five, but it cost waste instead of green? Too good. Too too good. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Okay. All right. All right moving on. <laughs> uh, that was my number. Your number six. seven was your number six was ancient stirrings. My number six is court of calling. Uh, for those who don't know, this is uh, green, 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 X. You may search your library to put a creature into play equal to X, but you can use the ability Convoke, which means you can tap any creatures you have in play uh, to pay for that X spell. So if but you it reduces tap- the cost of Convoke by the color of that creature, right? So it has, if it's a green creature, you can pay one of the green, but if it's not green, you can pay one of the X. Correct. Yeah. Um, the, the, the main decks that the Seas play in have been the the Birthing Pod and Kiki Pod, now Malira Coco decks where... And Elves. And Elves, where you know it, it, any major creature deck that's looking for combo pieces is using this card. Um, it's probably the best tutor in the format, I want to say. Right. Um, I can't um, think of one that's stronger. I mean, it's instant speed, which, and it's, it's directly into play. It's instant speed, into play. Like, it does a lot of work. And it gives, basically, it gives the thing you, you find Convoke. I mean, yeah, it, it absolutely is, in fact, because the, the, the primary creature tutor deck is that deck, and this yeah. is the only card that specifically gets a creature into play. So, yeah, it is. Yeah. It's, it's, it's weird, though. It's like the power level is kind of innocuous because 
um, you look at this and you're sort of like, I have to build my deck so specifically to make this as effective as I'd want it to be because it's so it's such a high cost. It's like to get a bear in play, this cost me five. Yeah, but it doesn't cost you five. It costs you two and tapping your two blockers or three blockers. But a new you player cast. might think, but don't I have to attack with those creatures? Like, I think it's a little, it's a funky card. Once you play with it's it, you realize, it's, yeah. you realize it's powerful, but it takes some play. But like Wall of Roots? Wall of Roots is yeah, the classic like, because you can remove a counter to add a, a mana and then tap this to reduce it by one. So Sure. And, and it's like turn it's two. It's a soul ring with the, on this card. Well, yeah, because it means your turn two Wall of Roots means lay land, pass turn, tutor into play. Tutor directly into play most important bear in deck end of turn turn three, which is really good. Yeah, yeah, and that's if you don't play a land. Yeah, I don't always play a land. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yep, exactly. Kind of like Lotus Cobra. Nah. Didn't make the <laughs> list. Uh, all right, so what's your? That was your number six. My, um, yeah, Core Kong is really good. I didn't put Core Kong on list. Okay. Didn't make uh, what's your number five? My number five is Scape Shift. Yeah, yeah, I mentioned Scape Shift. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, Scape Shift is uh, really really good. Have you thought about getting Tron lands with Scape Shift? Yeah, definitely. Okay. I think that's. I think people have. I think people have tried that. the The biggest issue there is that you have to play. If you're going to play a Tron deck, you're going to play twelve Tron lands, right? Which means playing twelve colorless lands and a deck that wants to resolve green green to tutor up all red is very awkward because at that point, what are you doing with your deck that you have the room to fit both strategies in? If no, no, no. I'm not. I'm saying cut Valkit. Just oh, use it to just, find your Tron. You're pieces. just playing Escape Shift as a Tron tutor. Yeah. You like guaranteed on turn four, you have Tron pl- plus an extra tower. Ben just got a little excited. Okay, I mean, so you hadn't thought about that, but I, yeah, I guess we thought about that. But why don't people do that? Because it's probably bad for some reason. Like in mono green Tron decks, it's like a one of. I don't know. I have no. Maybe I have like no you argument. don't need it because Tron's so good anyway. Yeah, I think maybe it's just like an extra. It's a win more. Yeah, maybe yeah, like yeah, on maybe. turn four with all the other pieces, you should be able to find it and just cast a Karn. Yeah, it does seem good though, doesn't it? Like I guess yeah, on Tron you want to be casting Karn or Ugin on turn four, not not Scape Shift. Scape Shift. Yeah, but maybe like maybe if this was played in a little bit more, a little bit less of a, a little bit less of an Ugin Tron deck, but a little bit more of a I'm going to resolve Emrakul or Ulamog or something crazy. Okay, like, like a like a uh, an Eldrazi Titan deck. I, I'm going to go over the top deck okay. with Tron pieces. Maybe that's how this would work. Okay. Um, still just seems like a lot of work though because like what's going to happen is w- what if they have the one land remo- like the land destruction spell or the ghost quarter you go all in you sack all your lands you get your Tron lands you get your double tower and they're like okay ghost quarter you're mine you're like I don't have a green source anymore for the uh, no, you, yeah you do how? they ghost quartered you oh yeah sure because you have a basic yeah. uh, uh, okay. uh, alright uh, my number five is scavenger goose which we also talked about yep really good super good super good what's your number four? My number four is Collected Company. Mine, too. Oh, sweet. I love when we're at the same yeah, spot with the card. We we high, high five. five. You just didn't hear it. Here. Here's, here's, a, here's a, a replay. One. That was Kessler clapping, if you guys were wondering. <laughs> <laughs> Penn said because his clap didn't get to happen. Um, Collected Company. This card is one of my favorites. I love this card. I love this card to death. It's so yeah, good. It's and, really good. And this card, it, this might be my favorite single favorite green card in modern and it's i mean it's really powerful this card was talk about a card that was underrated when it got printed man i don't think that's true i remember most people like this is probably pretty good oh i remember chaz i remember we talked we talked with chaz on the finance episode when we were going over the spoiler and i remember we talked about this card on the podcast and and being like what do you think about collected company he's like i think it's pretty good but i mean i don't know we'll see i mean you can get a lot of powerful things but i'm not sure and like as opposed to like this is pound for pound one of the best 20 cards in modern, right? Like, 
I'm trying to think if we put this in our top hundred. Yeah, all, all three cards I have above this would be in my top twenty. This card's a I think it's powerhouse. Possible, yeah. Because okay, elves exists. Naya, Bant Company, uh, Junk, Abzan Company. These are all decks that exist purely because collecting companies around. Not to mention you have like the Slivers deck that just got printed. Yeah, you Slivers. Have, you have like you can throw this into Merfolk. You can throw this into. There's so many decks that are just those like redundancy two and three drop either tribal or like all in on a single kind of idea decks. Not to mention then again like you guys saw when I did that whole summer of Coco like. This gets cards like Mere Superior. This gets cards that have a cheat, a cheated mana cost. Like this is just a good card overall. Like it's when you draw this card in any deck that it's in, you usually feel like it's the best card in the deck. You usually feel like, and it's weird too because like it's four mana at instant speed to max out at six. Like that's what you're getting. You're getting six for four, but like in modern to get six mana worth of power out of four mana, that's not that good. Four drops in modern are tough. But for whatever reason, it's kind of like when you talk about the difference between playing Snapcaster Mage and like Treasured Find, and it's like, who, what card is Treasured Find? Like nobody knows. It's like Regrowth versus Snapcaster Mage. It's like, oh, well, of course, Snapcaster Mage is a hundred times better. But again, on the surface, it's like, I mean, it's not that much better. It does something very similar. Well, no, four for six just at rate is not the same thing as this card. This card is so good, so much better yeah. than four equals six. It's like way beyond that. Sure. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. No, I'm I'm a big fan. All right, number three. I got Primeval Titan. I have Primeval Titan. Whoa. Oh, I think our top four is exactly the same. Yeah, it's got to. It has to be. Yeah, yeah. Wow. All right. So, for the first time ever, this is merging into just a straight up Masters of Modern countdown. Unless this goes terribly wrong for us, number four or number three, Primeval Titan. But as a quick spoiler, we do have five honorable mentions to battle out against. Yeah, each other. yeah. Um. So yes, we'll uh, get that. This is. Like, it was always surprising how... It was kind of surprising when I realized, oh, Primeval Titan just has been bonkers for all of modern history. You always kind of think, oh, it's not that good. It doesn't see that much play. But, like, Scape Shift plays it now. Titan Shift. You know, Bloom decks play it. But they just always will break the format. People played it in Cloud Post originally. People yeah. played it, like... First PT. Yeah, everything. It's in everything. Yeah. It's been around forever. It's just really good. I mean, look. It's six mana for a 6-6 uh, six, six that when it enters the battlefield finds two lands and then when it attacks finds two lands is just an extremely powerful, beefy piece of magic. Let's just do a quick... Well, okay, so it's... it's I don't mean, think you guys all know this, but it's 6-6 six, six trample for four and two green that when it enters the battlefield, search your library for any two lands, put them into play tapped. When it attacks, search your library for any two lands, put them into the battlefield tapped. Right, just um, said that. Oh, did you? Yeah. Did I just zone out? Yeah, you did. Yes, you did it to me. Ha <laughs> ha. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> sorry, guys. Um, uh, let's just talk for a second about the fact that you can look back in Magic's history and you can look at certain cycles that were printed that were like very kind of groundbreaking at the time they were printed. We've we've talked about this actually quite a bit with the original five Planeswalkers and Lorwyn and how nice of a design that was, how well designed those cards are. Yeah, every single one saw serious tournament play other than Chandra. Yeah, and how even looking back at them, they feel like, and we're, you know, whatever, something like 50 Planeswalkers later, those are still great. They're still, yeah. they still, they're balanced for their color and everything. If you look at the Titans, they were printed at a time where they where Wizards was really, really trying to make an effort to design and push powerful creatures. They wanted six well, drop creatures yeah, that, that did something when they came into play. Part of the mention was like, we want standard the standard format to look at six drops and be consider them a castable option. And, and they knew they the succeeded. players were frustrated with the idea that you could make a powerful creature, but if it didn't do something when it entered the battlefield, it wasn't good enough. It had to do something for six. That was, that was the idea with these creatures. And so um, each one of the six titans is awesome. I yep. love 
every one of them. I mean, the, uh, the, the, the redheaded stepchild of the six has always been Frost Titan. Yeah, but in Frost Titan's defense, A, it's kind of still just insane. But B, it's the anti-Titan Titan. So it is maybe the redheaded stepchild because all the other Titans hate him. But that's because it locks them all out of the game. Like, I remember in Standard, like... Frost Titan didn't become popular until after every other Titan became format-defining, right. and then Frost Titan saw a bunch of play because it could lock out the other Titans. Right. Because it taps them down instead. Um, and it's much harder to deal with because there's no removal. You have to, it's, you know, three extra mana to kill it. Yeah. Um, but Primeval Titan, obviously, is the poster shot of that cycle. It's the most powerful on just like a pound-for-pound pound basis, but just such a great design. And it's one of those things when, as a, as a fan of the game, as a longtime player, as a historian... I always love to see and talk about cards like this that came about at the right time, designed the right way. Just like beautiful design. It's like one of the things when we talk about how great of a game Magic is, it's like this card is, what, five, six years old now? Six years. It's M10, I think. Um, I think it's six years old now, and it's still... That's seven years. And it's not M10, it's M11. So six years. Yeah. Um, and it still just feels like it was right. It was just dead on. It was just it was correct. It was, done the, it was M11. Yeah, it was done the right way. And the power level is consistent. It's nice that, like, again, as as a top card in modern, it doesn't feel like it's overpowered. It feels like it's the correct level of power. It fits as a six drop into our format so well. I'm so happy to have a six drop that's this good. Yeah, no, it's sweet. Dies the path, doesn't die the lightning. It does. It kind of. It's just. It's such a powerful card. Dies to bullets now. And, and the more lands they print, the more powerful it gets. I actually, I do think it's interesting that there's an argument to be made that the power of Cobblade back in standard was actually caused by a Primeval Titan. Uh, the argument is that, like, Vengevine was a card that was created to beat up on Jace. Because it does. Like, the words on it basically are anti-Jace, the, you know, the Mind Sculptor. And, but because Primeval Titan and Scapeshift, or not Scapeshift, but uh, Valakut decks were so strong in that standard, yeah. they locked out every other deck that could possibly beat Cobblade, and then Cobblade just stomped on Titan decks. Right. Number two. So I think this is pretty clear. But this maybe is, this is this is actually a more stronger like the cycle that the number one card is is incomplete, arguably. This one I feel like is complete. I think modern has a one drop, the best one drop out of every color. Um, and this is greens, and that's Noble Hierarch. Yes, Noble Hierarch. Yet another card at the inception of modern that was like yeah, this is a good mana creature. This is just this this and birds. Well, people knew it was the best. I mean, like the it, it was like this and birds of paradise will get played in similar decks, and this is good. But it wasn't like eventually infect is going to become a tier one strategy, and this is going to be arguably the most important creature in the entire deck. Like this is sure. good on so many levels. This is good. It's good as a mana creature. This is the best creature in infect that doesn't have infect on it. That's crazy. It's the only creature in fact that doesn't have infect on it. I know. I'm saying it's the best one. Well, I, I mean, I, I guess mean, ink moth is a land, but. Oh, yeah, I would say Inkmoth is better than this, and I would say... We probably didn't do that in our top 100 cards, though, because we were dead wrong about Inkmoth Nexus. No, Inkmoth Nexus was in our 100 cards. <laughs> yeah, like in the 60s. No, 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 but we got Ink, ripped apart Inkmoth, <laughs> Inkmoth Nexus is better than Noble Hierarch in Infect. Noble Hierarch is better than Inkmoth Nexus in Magic, yes, period. agreed. Noble Hierarch is a card that sees play in every green deck for the most part that is trying to play creatures. Like, all the Bant decks, all the Coco decks, all the... Even I've seen I've seen Eldrazi decks playing this card. Like I didn't he's play, really really good. <laughs> I didn't play in standard. Um, I wasn't in fact playing Magic when this card was printed. I think I was out for that year. Um, this is like 2010 sure. or something. Um, you were playing standard then. I played standard for the second half. So I played standard for Zendikar, 
Uh, my first standard format ever was Zendikar um, Shard. Shard. So you don't remember this being printed. You remember just it being... I remember it being an expensive card that made it so I couldn't play uh, Bant Lightsaber. Got it. Which I, Nihil or Nihil Lightsaber yeah, and Bant yeah. and Mythic Bant. Mythic Bant was the one I couldn't play. You liked that there was a deck called Nihil Lightsaber. You wanted to play it because you love Star Wars. I wanted to play both of them. Yeah. They're <laughs> sweet decks. I've made tried making them work in modern. They don't work. Nihil Lightsaber? Was that the one where you would get like a super powerful equipment card? It was Fauna Shaman. Fauna Shaman and uh, Stoneforge Mystic, the deck. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. Sure, um, sure, sure, sure. Sure, 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 sure. And then uh, Ban- Ban- Mythic Bant was... Yeah, I remember uh, that one. That was Eldrazi Conscription. Yeah, Eldrazi Conscription was Sovereign's Blast Lara <coughs> and Lotus Cobra. Every card in the deck was Mythic, which is why I was called Mythic The Bant. fact that Lotus Cobra's never, ever <coughs> made a modern impact makes me so sad. I think it's done a little bit of stuff, but yeah, it's not just... It, its effect is unique enough where if you want to take advantage of it, it's too singular. And if you... Are just trying to play it for value. It doesn't do enough. Noble Hierarch, for the record, is one green for a zero one Exalted. Taps for green, blue, or white. And for those who don't know, what Exalted is Exalted is if a creature attacks alone, it gets plus one plus one. Yeah, it's so just, it's just good. It's like a it's a mana creature that makes all of your infect creatures attack get plus two plus two essentially. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's just bonkers. Yeah, nope, it's really good. I highly recommend it in all of your green decks. Uh, the other cards in that in that cycle are uh, Thoughtseize. Uh, Serum Visions, Lightning Bolt, Path, uh, and Noble Hierarch. Those are the five of the. Oh, and yeah, Lightning Bolt. I said Interesting that. that this is the only one that's a creature. Yep. It, well, it's green. Green's the creature color. Yeah. Red does damage. Green has a creature and makes mana. Uh, white exiles and makes mana also in a weird way, but for them, black is Thoughtseize and costs you life. And. Uh, Blue draws cards and sets your deck. Yeah, I think it's actually pretty representative of each color, pretty pretty consistently too. I kind of love this that card. That's... Wasn't in existence? Would the green card be birds? Uh, probably yeah. Right. I would assume that birds would, and other than infect, birds would replace this in every other deck that it's in. Yeah, birds is one of the best cards. Or they play eight or seven. Yeah, they already play it together. It's interesting so, that birds is not on our list, but it's just not. It's because noble hierarch is just a strictly. It's not strictly better because if you're playing, I guess jund. Noble Hierarch is actively bad, but... And if something, like, you need to fly and suit something up. Yeah, yeah, like, there's reasons it has better options, but Noble Hierarch is just a more defining format, defining card, and a more played card. Um, Last but not least, the Big Daddy, the best creature probably ever printed from a from a I'm-going-to-attack-you perspective, not a Hermit Druid perspective of comboing off. Yes. Tarmogoyf. Tarmogoyf. This um, is a green in the color list, if you don't know, uh, for an X star, star, plus one. Yep. Uh, for every card type in all graveyards, Tarmogoyf gets plus one, plus one. If so, you have ever played a game of modern or know anything about modern, then you know that this card is ridiculous. It's an absurd magic card. We've, It's like... It costs 100 to $150. It's... It was printed in Future Sight. Nobody caught on for about three weeks that it was a good card. Are you one of the ones that traded one away for cheap... I've talked about this on the podcast, yeah, before. Okay. I, I, I made the one trade for, uh, uh, I remember what it was. I was trading an overgrown tomb back in Ravnica Time Spiral Standard. An overgrown tomb for two foil pre-release Lotus Blooms. Because I wanted to build my stupid Jorah of the Gitu Niv-Mizzet Ophidian Eye uh, combo deck. That was just the same cards as Dragonstorm, except, okay. except just worse. Way worse. And uh, I needed Lotus Blooms for it. And then, and then what happened? And so I offered to trade a uh, an overgrown tomb, and it had like a ding on the corner. And the guy was like, "Well, I think I'm getting kind of a raw deal here." And I was like, "Come on, it's a fetch." It's, I was like, "It's a it's a shock land for like a pre release promo that I really like that no one's playing." Like, come on, this is gonna rotate out. Um, 
And he was like, I think it's a little unfair. Can I look through your binder? And I was like, sure. And he gets the back page, and he's like, what about this green card from Future Sight? I was had two copies of it. And I was like, oh, yeah, throw both those in. And I like just oh, throw in. Oh, no. Two turn boxes to throw in. Oof. Yeah, it's like $250, $300 a couple years later. That was like back in like 2007 or something. Yeah, there was 6070 when I started playing. Yeah, Turbo Gore's really good. Fortnite Defining. Most most played creature in the format other than Noble Hierarch, I think. I always forget if it's one or the other. It, they bounce back and forth. This is like the uh, one of the only examples ever, I would say, in modern magic history. Like since the card face change. Um, that if you recognized a trend early enough, you could legitimately get rich. Like, rich. I'm not talking like j- people thought Jace the Mind Sculptor was 40, and then, you know, you spent a bunch of money and you got, like, you made, like, 80 bucks per Jace a few years later. I'm talking, you could buy this card for less than a dollar. You could buy this for, like, 50 cents in its first few weeks on the market. It was, the time I traded it was, like, two weeks after release, and it was, like, a dollar. Two weeks later. So if you just recognize the trend, you could have bought a thousand of these. You could have bought a thousand of these for like eight hundred bucks. Sat on them for a few years and made more money on magic cards than you can make in real estate in like a really good market. Like you I mean, this is like I, I can't think of a single other card even close to this level. Uh, to that extremity, sure. I do think something like what do you on mean? a short term level, like Spellskite is a higher. You could have bought it for dollars, and it was at forty. Or you know, it, it shot up, not the forty, but it's it's high. And, Spellskite, and yeah, that's a, that's a close one for like again <laughs> for like dollars. You're talking yeah. like spending two three bucks. And um, um, what's the what's the Fireball from Standard? It's not worth anything now, but Bonfire, in, Bonfire of the Damned was another one that was like two dollars online. It was, but and again, it went to 20. You, something that you're forgetting about about the different the different markets is that by the time. New Phyrexia, well, no, New Phyrexia, that was a rare. But Bonfire was a Mythic. So sure. if there was a, a, a heavy buy on Mythics from dealers, people would catch on very quickly because the supply is much, much lower. Right. But back in the days when there was no Mythic rares, you could go heavy on a buy, and like it was like a, a crappy Lagoif in people's minds. Right. Like you could, you you know what I mean? Like if I had a good Mythic, like a Mythic that was cool, mm-hmm. that I was like, but no one likes this card, and somebody's like, throw two of these in, I might be like, well, for me to have opened two of these in packs was such just bizarre luck because like you never open mythics and if you do you get a crappy mythic right like that's where i'm just saying like i really think i've heard stories of people in magic who made like a ton of money on tarmogoyf and it was just a couple years later this was a hundred dollars right i mean it was probably three years later this was a hundred dollars yeah no no it was 74 years later and it was an insane price and it's 124 on average right now. That if I just go to, like, yeah, deck. you probably get it for 100, and you probably get some for 150 and the older one. Yeah, but yeah, crazy, nope, insane. Um, all right, so that's our top 10. Tom McGuire, surprising, absolutely no one. Uh, I think this is the first time our even our top four has been so succinctly the exact same. Yeah. Um, I think we are ready to move on to our my favorite contest of this kind of podcast uh, yeah. is us saying underrated cards and me winning. Yeah, well, this is what happens, guys. I keep saying <laughs> this, and it's going to be the time I lose, and that's fine. That's kind of why I'm, I told I'm going my silly story. I, look, guys, every time it's the same thing. All right, Kessler tends to identify cards that are just fringe outside of his top ten, and he'll go to like fourteenth pick as opposed to like his eleventh pick, and he'll be like, "This is a weird card that should see more play." And I'll always be like, "This is some stupid card that I have like fourteen copies of from playing standard in like two thousand eight, and I've always wanted to build a deck with it, and it's never worked." And I try to argue why Sage of Epitere is like, you know, better than Hive Mind. And Kessler's like, well, Hive Mind wins. <laughs> and Sage of Epitere is a bad card. I rest my case. <laughs> yep. 
I love <laughs> cards that do interesting, fun things. You love cards that are not Don't good. say it. Don't say it. No, no. I think my cards this time are sweet. So the way okay. this works, guys, is we're going to introduce the card. We're going to explain the card. And then there's a 30-second clock to sell your card. And uh, we're going to do that. And then at the end of that 30 seconds, we're going to move on. And then we're going to put them up on a poll on Twitter. And that poll will be up for two weeks because we won't have an episode next week. And if you go to our Twitter, you'll find those contests. And when we get back, that'll be the thing. We'll see who won. And we'll announce the results and all of those things. All right. So number one, I'm going to go first since you went first with all the other ones. Uh, My first one is Splinter Fright. Splinter Fright is a two- For two and a green, you get a creature elemental with trample. Splinter Fright's power and toughness are each equal to the number of creature cards in your graveyard. And at the beginning of your upkeep, put the top two cards of your library into your graveyard. Starting 30 seconds now. Uh, So the reason really like this card is possibly the trample. Yes, it has the problem that if you have no creatures when you play it, it dies because it is 0-0. But the ability to get around things like trample other than other Lorgoyf effects similar to Tarmogoyf is really, really strong. On top of that, you can bring it back with Suntane and it will make itself bigger and draw you cards theoretically if you play stuff like Lingering Souls while it mills your deck going forward. It's a big, big beater in graveyard strategies that are a little bit more grindy and can get giant and bigger than most things in the format very, very, very quickly. All right, look at that. You came in exactly at 30 seconds. So I'm going to sell my card right now. And then, just because now I know your card so I can choose the one to fight against it, I'm going to then start the second contest so you have the same advantage on the second round. So okay. you can choose the one to fight against my card, right? Okay, we're going to do it by choosies. Okay. Well, because I think it's unfair otherwise. Um, so, <laughs> all right, uh, that was your 30, so I'm going to introduce the card Spellwild Oof. I'm going for broke right out the gates here. Uh, Spellwild Oof is one green, one colorless for a 1-3 creature, creature type Oof. And uh, spells that target Spellwild Oof cost two colorless less to cast. All right, the reason this card is so cool is I realize that it's a 1-3, so it dies to lightning bolt. So that's like very obvious coming out the gates. But all of the removal in modern that is relevant either costs one mana or is something like an abrupt decay that doesn't have a colorless cost on it anyway. So it doesn't actually make your opponent's removal any better. All it is is a 1-3 creature for two that allows you to play supercharged auras and spells like incremental growth that just go crazy. Like Imagine this, a mana creature, and an incremental growth. You cost a plus six, plus six counters for three mana. This card is nuts and can have whole strategies built around uh, it. Uh, all right. My buzzer buzzer voice. I spent too much time on the middle part of that. I didn't get to all the sweet payoff. Yeah. I forgot to bring up that sometime in barrel rights is a cool thing, so it's fine. Yeah. But they're not. You great. just brought it up right now on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that was so cheap. So, so sneaky. All right, so, so you sneaky. get to choose yours now, right? And uh, yeah, so I'm going to start out my second round here. All right. Uh, all right, I'm gonna go here with. Um, I'm gonna look up the text right now so that I can read it properly. Um, my card is going to be Chancellor of the Tangle. Now, Chancellor of the Tangle was part of a cycle from New Phyrexia, where if you began the game with the card in your hand, you got a cool effect off of it. So this is uh, the, the the text on the card is green, 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 four colorless for a beast for a six seven Vigilance Reach. You may reveal this card from your opening hand. If you do, at the beginning of your first main phase, add one green to your mana pool. Starting argument time now. 
All right, Chancellor of the Tangle. I mean, look, people play Simeon Spirit Guide. You exile that card from your hand to get one to get one red in your first turn of the game. This essentially does the exact same thing if it's in your opening hand, but it's also a creature that if you go long can be cast. It's a creature that can be discarded to like any kind of effect. Uh, it actually has value, and decks that want to do cool things uh, often want extra green mana. So uh, I think this card's heavily underplayed. Um, there are lots of strategies like with Spirit Guide where you can double down for extra effect. It's awesome. All right. I think at the end, you stopped at the, at the time. Yep. Chancellor of the Tangle. You know you love that card. Don't look at me like that. Uh, I've specced very hard on that card. Yeah. I have a whole little buck, buck of like 30 foil ones. How'd that work out for you? I mean, it's called a spec. I don't know. It's still yeah. going. There's like <laughs> random decks that Travis Wu comes out with that kind of play it and duo nothing yet. But who knows? All right. Uh, my number two will be... Garrick Wildspeaker. He is two green and two colorless for a Planeswalker. Garrick Wildspeaker type Garrick. Uh, plus one, untap two target lands. Minus one, put a 3-3 three, three green beast creature token onto the battlefield. Minus four creatures you control get plus three, plus three, and gain trample and ten out of turn. He starts with three loyalty. Go. Uh, the reason I like this card, I mean, A, I think it's just an underplayed Planeswalker in general. Obviously, it's the only green Planeswalker we're mentioning all day. Uh, one of the reasons I love it is you get to untap really powerful lands. Those can be bounce lands, those can be Tron lands, or they can just be regular lands to let you keep your mana open like Abrupt Decay when you're trying to kill the thing on the next turn. On top of that, it protects itself. It's one of the original five Planeswalkers, so it has that kind of pedigree to it. And I think it's just one of the stronger green Planeswalkers ever printed till this day. It also has the fun game of plus, untap lands, and then minus, go ultimate. Ah. Nice. I, I, I was there. I was done. pretty good. Um, all right. So, so now. Second round was Garrick Wildspeaker versus Chancellor of the Tangle. Yep. And the first round was Spell a lot of, Wild. A lot of, a lot of free mana there. Spell Wild Oof. Versus Splinter Fright. Yeah. Splinter Fright. That's cool. You chose Splinter Fright. That's out of your wheelhouse. I like that card. I love Splinter Fright. Yeah. The card's not good in the sense that the cards you pick are good. So I th I'm surprised. You get uh, it's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> it gets pretty big. It's lightning bolt proof. All right, so now I'm going to pick... Uh, no, I pick, I pick the next one. Oh, okay, you introduced the next one. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 go ahead. All right, for round three, I'm going to pick Strength from the Fallen. Oh, sweet. Strength from the Fallen is an enchantment for a green and a colorless. It has the ability Constellation. Whenever Strength of the strength from the Fallen or another enchantment enters the battlefield under your control, target creature gets plus X, plus X until end of turn, where X is the number of creature cards in your graveyard. Start. So this is a card that is actually very similar to Splinter Fright, and I think we need to get an increase in enchantment cards that do stuff with your graveyard, really in the format, to make it worth it. But Constellation is a really strong mechanic. This gets creatures really big and many triggers really quickly. If you can kind of loop these triggers, you can do it with the Spider Lady that you want to you sack her, you make a one-two Spider token. There's all the other enchantment creatures from the Theros block, but specifically this card kind of is one of the better engines to kind of make it happen and let it get going. You get to just continuously make creatures really big for free. You wanted to keep going there, didn't you? I did. You did. I stumbled a little in the middle. Yeah, you did. I got into the like. Yeah. It's cool. Don't worry about it. <laughs> and now Ben picks his like best card. No. No, no, no. I'm picking a card, a little card I like to call Tarmogoyf. It's uh, <laughs> <laughs> really no. underplayed, really underrated. Really heavily underplayed. Um, all right, so I'm going to go Doesn't with... Doesn't even have flying. Come on, yeah. guys. <laughs> I'm going to go with Fauna Shaman. Fauna Shaman is oh. one green, one colorless for a 2-2 two -two elf shaman with the ability. One green, tap the discard a creature card. Search your library for a creature card, reveal it, put it into your hand, then shuffle your library. Okay, I am going to start the clock now. 
Uh, all right, this is the creature version of Survival of the Fittest, one of the inherently most powerful green cards ever printed. Uh, probably one of the 10 most powerful cards ever printed, actually. Uh, the thing that's so nice about this card is there are a lot of cards in Modern that you only want to have in your hand at certain times. It plays nicely with a card like Chancellor of the Tangle. It plays well with cards that you don't necessarily want early. You only want a one-of copy late. Or if you're playing a one-of copy and you need to get it at the right time, it's a very powerful card, and it's a bear for two. So it's it's the same kind of a deal as like a scavenging ooze having just good late or early value. It's a very powerful card. Uh, <laughs> it was late. You wish you had Fauna Shaman. You love that card. I love Fauna Shaman. Yeah, I know you, you took do. that from me. <laughs> and you used it against me. <laughs> um, all right. So now... Um, I, that, now I pick the next one. Yeah. Now I introduce the next one. Uh, all right, so two cards left here. I'm going to go with a card I like to call Kabu Predator. Kabu Predator is a one green, one colorless uh, for a 2-2 two, two creature uh, Kabu. Yes, creature type Kabu with trample. When, it, when an opponent gains life, put that many plus one plus one counters on Kabu Predator, I'm going to start the recording now. Um, Predator is a really interesting card. There are a limited number of effects that allow your opponents to gain life, but there are cards like Grove of the Burn Willows. Every time you tap it, this card gets bigger. Every If you use a Fiery Justice, which is the uh, spread five damage across their five creatures, and they gain five life, this gets plus five, plus five counters on it. Um, anything that you do that is a disadvantage to your deck by allowing them to gain life makes this card better. And again, it's a 2-2 two, two trample for two, um, I think Trample is a heavily underplayed mechanic in Magic in general. I think it's very powerful. I think there's a lot of space to explore with this card. I think it's very, very good in an awesome but not very good way. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, what do you got? I have Sylvan Advocate. Oh, cool. All right. Yeah. One green, one colorless, elf druid ally. He has vigilance. He is a 2-3. As long as you control six or more land, sylvan advocate, and land creatures you control get plus two, plus two. The so key here start. the key here for me is the plus two for lands, but also just creatures and, you know, him himself. Playing a 4-5 for two is really strong, and he kind of is good early and good late. And like we talked about, about Death Rage Shaman on the previous episode, being good early and good late is really important. Being just a Vigilance 2-3 on turn two is strong enough, and being able to upgrade when it gets later in the game makes him a very powerful threat. Wow, you only need 20 seconds. Boom. Dropping the mic. Um, this card was huge in standard. I'll just give you that little advantage. It's very powerful standard card, like uh, a little bit surprisingly good in standard and then turned out to be one of the format staples for pretty much the entirety of its lifespan. For the record, I replaced Life from the Loam from my list for that because you gave me crap for... Uh, uh, he's making it up. I didn't give him any crap about anything. You gave me crap for playing good cards on my list. He's just... No, he was just feeling like he needed to... He so just felt like he needed to be more every time. <laughs> uh, Now you choose your last card. All right, my last card is... Realms Uncharted. This oh, is one green, so two colorless, instant. Search your library for four land cards with different names and reveal them. An opponent chooses two of those cards, put the chosen cards in your graveyard and the rest in your hand, then shuffle your library. Start. This is uh, gifts and given, but for lands. Obviously, this gets more and more powerful the more lands are produced. There are cool things you can do now using lands like the ones that uh, you can play from your graveyard or have dredge, but you can also do cool stuff with just finding four lands that do really powerful things and making your opponent choose what is best and or worse for them, giving you options like you know getting Ghost Quarter, getting Academy Ruins, getting really powerful spells. All tutors have been good. This is going to get better as more lands get played and is, our, I think, already at the point where it's extremely powerful. Boom, look at you finishing under under time yeah. each time. Get um, your buzzer out of here. I like that card. I think that card's good. Uh, I have always been a fan of that card. I just tried to make it work in Highlander, but I get to get Dark Depths and Thespian stage, so... <laughs> seems, uh, seems okay, yeah. except when I put them in your graveyard. Right. The problem, actually, with doing that is that there isn't a fourth 
So you you have Dark Depths, Deathwing Sage, and Petrified Field, which is the old card that you can like tap to sacrifice it to return a land from your graveyard to your hand. Mm-hmm. Which, but you need another Petrified Field because Vesuva doesn't work. So you're one land short of being able to put together the perfect lands gift package with that card. They haven't printed it. Sure. So for EDH for Highlander, yeah. Whatever. As soon as a card that gets printed that says uh, is like a land that like you can like. S- Exile from your graveyard for mana to return another land in, in your something, graveyard to your yeah. hand or something like that is the moment this card is yeah back on the market. Yeah, exactly. Go ahead. Which is probably a good reason uh, if this card isn't super expensive to spec it because eventually that probably will get printed. It's uh, one cent on Moto. Really? How much is it normally? I'm looking. But well, you should do your card and then we'll, we'll talk about it in a second. Okay. Um, speaking of tutor cards, I'm going to go with one that we have talked about extensively on the show, and that is Traverse the Ulvenwald. Um, one green for a sorcery with Delirium, which states if there are four or more card types among cards in your graveyard, instead search your library for a creature or land card. Reveal it and put it into your hand, where the basic function of this is a one green sorcery that searches your library f- for a basic land, reveals it, and puts it into your hand. It turns, once it hits Delirium, you can get any land or creature, but its basic function is one green search for a basic. Um, I will start the clock now. Um, Traverse is very good, and I've said this before, and I'll say it again. Long term, one mana things in modern that do something interesting end up always being good in play. Like that's that's like a great statistic you can quote is that the cheaper, the more efficient version of everything ends up being the best version in modern. And I think the fact that this is with not a whole lot of crazy deck construction, a one green tutor to get any land like this turns into a sylvan scrying or any creature this this will be demonic tutor for certain decks in modern eventually and i believe it has that power uh, yeah that card's really good too that card's great. green is sweet green's so good green is so good if the moral of the story this episode is anything is that's green is really sweet so the round one was spell wild oof versus what was your first card splinter fright Splinter Fight versus Spell Wild Oof. So it was Kessler, uh, Splinter Fight, me, Spell Wild Oof. Round two, what was your second card? My second card was uh, Garrick Wildspeaker. No, I think that was later. Oh, was it? No, it wasn't. Chancellor of the Tangle was my number two? Oh, it was um, Strength of the Fallen. Yes. No, 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 it was Garrick Wildspeaker. You guys heard it on the pause. No, 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 it was Garrick Wildspeaker for sure, because you made a mana and I made some mana. Garrick Wildspeaker for Kessler, Chancellor of the Tangle for me. Number three for you was something other than Fauna Shaman, because that was mine. Uh, Strength of the Fallen. It was Strength of the Fallen. Strength of the Fallen for Kessler, Fauna Shaman for me. Number four for Kessler was... Sylvan Advocate. Versus Kabu Predator. And number five was... Realms Uncharted. Versus Traverse the Ulvenwald. So we will be putting up a poll that's going to last probably at least a week, if not two weeks, on our Twitter. uh, And it's going to live there. You guys can vote on which card you think is sweeter. Um, These are usually pretty close. It's actually usually like... A couple of these have been like uh, one or two percent difference. I am the champion. Yeah. Well, you, you played a little, you played a little the more. Champion. You played a little more fun this My time. My friends. Yeah. Bum 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 bum. Um. So yeah, that's the thing. That was today's and episode, you guys. You should follow us on Twitter at the MMCast. I'm at Kess Wiley. I'm at Ben Bateman Media. You should go to Collected.Company. That's Collected.Company.Collected.Company.com. The Command Zone. And make sure to follow on YouTube. All right, I'm done. Somebody that tweeted bad. at somebody the other day and said, uh, I don't care. If, did you see this? The thing where somebody was like, or did you tag me? Or somebody, no, somebody tagged me and they said, I don't care 
um, <laughs> what the reason is, if you wear a suit to a magic tournament, it's not classy. It looks like you're overdressed. Um, that it like bl- oh, and, and somebody destroy them. And somebody tagged me, and I just no, I didn't say anything bad. I was just okay. uh, what I said is what I said is uh, confidence for people comes in all from all places, and nothing fits better than confidence. That's okay. true. So you were like nice about it. Well, look, I love wearing suits, and everybody knows that. And I happen to do a lot of things in my life that would not necessarily require me to wear suits, but it would be foolish of me to go to a red carpet and not wear a tux or a suit. So I'm very used to it at this point. I like to. I've been wearing magic car- like suits to magic tournaments for like eight years or something like that. But the idea that somebody would say, you look overdressed wearing a suit to a magic tournament, if you came from your accounting job and you hate wearing suits and you wear to a magic tournament, then yes, it looks like you came from work. And I can't imagine that wearing a suit is your favorite thing in the world, unless it is. But if you like wearing suits and it gives you an added level of confidence, then wear it to a freaking magic tournament. That's great. Sure. Like. Oh, so, oh yeah. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, so wear, wear suits to magic tournaments, everybody. Also, uh... The thing that was on Twitter was uh, I have had a long-standing argument with my family over the color of what water is, and the color of water is blue. It's 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 blue. They think it's clear or something. They, everyone thinks it's clear. They're all wrong. All of you on the internet who are like it's clear, you're wrong. Have you ever looked at the ocean? Is the ocean clear? No. No, it's blue. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Good work, guess. Yeah. Happy holidays, everyone. Yeah. We'll see you guys. Happy Christmas. Make sure to check out oh comics on comics. Uh, on Facebook, I think they also will be. They are on uh, on the podcast app on iTunes, so they're really great. We had a great episode. Talked about Rogue One. It's amazing. Merry Christmas and Happy Hanukkah and all of the other holidays. Kwanzaa. I feel like that's like the throw-in holiday. That like, if you say Kwanzaa, then you should be going down the list of every single holiday in this time of year. But people are unaware of them. Why don't you just celebrate whatever you want to celebrate? Hundred percent. I not. I don't. I'm mean- going to celebrate. F and M on Friday. And I don't think Kwanzaa's throwing like Kwanzaa is not as good as Christmas or Hanukkah, but it's like Christmas and Hanukkah are like the two major westernized holidays that get recognized. And for whatever reason, at some point when we were kids, it became like fashionable and funny to throw in Kwanzaa. Like it was like a thing. I think there's other holidays this time of year that we should bring up that aren't just Kwanzaa. No? There's like a solst- a winter solstice holiday that Ramadan sometimes can fall in December. There you go. Yeah, exactly. So I'm saying celebrate all the holidays, guys. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. All right. Bye, everybody. Good night. Thank you for your attention. See you later, alligator.